0: Amen. What a great thought. Great job. You know, I think uh, we very often underestimate the goodness of God and how willing our God is to forgive and open His arms to prodigals. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. For several weeks of Sunday evenings, we've talked about a Practical doctrine poorly understood, I think, most often in our culture. Our culture usually fails to understand where rightful authority comes from, how leaders should use rightful authority, and how those who follow should respond to rightful authority. And failing to understand these things is certainly contributing to the deterioration of our culture, and it is certainly contributing to the deterioration of the Lord's churches. I do believe that Some of the people of God understand this uh, thing, rightful authority and leadership and following, but I think all of us uh, come under the influence of our culture and our flesh does not like authority other than our own. And as I've said several times, I'm not teaching this because I'm aware of some problem with rightful authority around here. I'm teaching this because I want the Lord's church to operate like he wants it to operate. I want... Our homes to operate like the Lord wants them to operate, because I believe with all my heart, when that is the case, we're all better off. We are all more secure. We are all more blessed. Uh, God's plan is a good plan. Uh, we spent some time laying a foundation. God, of course, Himself is the ultimate authority, but because we cannot visibly see God nor audibly hear God, God delegated some of His authority to His written word. A word we can see and a word we can hear. And then in God's word, He delegated some of His authority to certain people under certain circumstances. He delegated authority to husbands over their own wives, one equal, submitting to another equal to fill a role designed by our Creator. Uh, the authority of parents over their own children, one equal, submitting to another equal to fulfill a role designed by our Creator. The role and authority of a pastor over the church He leads and uh, one equal submitting uh, to another equal to fulfill God's role in our lives. And I just remind everyone, as I've reminded people every single time in this particular thought, uh, God did not give anyone authority. He did not delegate any of his authority for us to do what we want. He delegated any of the authority he delegated for us to do what he wants done in those situations. And then last week, Uh, after several weeks of just talking in general to leaders and followers, we began to apply those principles uh, to our marriages. And we talked about the strong words that God uses for both wives and husbands to describe that relationship. We then just basically uh, sat across the table from one another and sort of practically applied those principles To the most important relationship we have, other than our relationship with God, our Creator, through Jesus Christ. And tonight we move on to apply those principles we've learned for leaders and followers to parents and children. Now I realize there are many people here tonight who are single uh, for one reason or another. And what I would just say to you is place this somewhere in your memory uh, so that someday if the Lord does give you children or Someone does ask you something about how to handle their children. You'll have something in your mind about this. And I realize, in addition to some people being single, there are many of you who are here who are like me whose children are no longer at home. And these then uh, help us to help others, uh, whether that be our adult children or anyone who might ask us about this relationship. Now, I've known a lot of people over the years who are saved. They have their faith in Christ. Uh, But to be quite frank with you, they have a big disconnect and they don't believe what the Bible teaches about how parents should handle children. And though Christ is in their life, they have decided in that area of life uh, that God doesn't know what He's talking about. Uh, Let me just say I believe God knows what He's talking about when He tells us that eternal life is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and I believe God knows what he's talking about when he gives us instruction about how parents and children should interact with one another and so as we begin tonight I want to encourage you to believe God uh, believe that God has a great plan for your life and homeless God is not up there somewhere in heaven just wringing his hands thinking to himself "Wow, I wonder what I can do to make their home a mess I wonder what I can do to make their parent-child relationships. Listen, our loving father is not like that. And just like he welcomes the prodigal home, like Jeremy sang about, uh, he has a plan for our homes that's good for us. And let me just say, as we get ready to start, there are very few areas in our culture that are more messed up than parent-child relationships. It is no surprise that The world's philosophy for this relationship has crept into the minds and hearts of Christian people. Uh, And sadly, when it comes to the parent-child relationship, in many cases, the inmates are running the prison. If you're able to stand tonight, if you would stand in honor of God's word. And we're just on our eighth part of God's authority in our life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Thank you, you might be seated. We begin tonight with our thought to give us some biblical insight on how our Heavenly Father handles His own children. By the way, uh, a lot of people think that every human being is a child of God, and that's not spiritually accurate. And though it is true that God is good to everyone and that He is a creator of every human being, spiritually speaking, the only people who are children of God are saved people. There's a reason Jesus looked at the Pharisees and though they were religious and though from an earthly standpoint, they had a lot of things together and he looked at those religious people and he said, you are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Uh, Listen, uh, you only become God's child by being born again into God's family. And though that is not a very popular truth, it is a spiritually accurate truth. And if you're here Tonight, and you've not been born again into God's family, I would encourage you tonight before you leave this place to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to get born again into God's family. But the best example of a loving father is God. He is the heavenly father to all those who have been born again into his family. Listen, God very clearly loves his children. God loves his children so much that he had Jesus Christ died for them. God loves his children so much that he with open arms ran to meet the prodigal son who came home after so many years in the pig pen. God loves his children so much, not just that he died for them, he loves them so much that he chastens them. You see, discipline is not a demonstration of a lack of love. It is a demonstration of healthy parental love. Healthy parental love that is more like God's love than what some people call love. Notice as we begin in our text, God clearly chastens and scourges every one of his children because he loves them in verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Every child, every person born in God's family it's chasten. Have you ever thought about how strong the words chasten and scourge are? These are very strong words. By the way, chasten and scourge are not the same as beating or abuse. They're very different. Not just from beating and abuse, they're also very different and inferior to the kind of love that people say they have that never disciplines or punishes their children. In fact. God's discipline as our loving Father is evidence of our salvation being real. In verse 7, it says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? See, if someone claims to be saved and they can just live happily ever after, so to speak, living in willful defiance of God without the chastening hand of God in their life, listen. That's evidence of the fact that they're not saved. They're not a child of God. He scourges every son whom he receiveth. I didn't write that. God did. Listen, I did not say if we don't see the chastening hand of God in the lives of other people, that means they're not saved. You and I don't know the video based on our snapshot. What I did say, though, is that if you are a child of God, if you are truly saved, you will have times when God chastens and disciplines you, and you will know it. I mean, what loving parent would allow their children to continue in some kind of harmful behavior? Hey, listen, letting your kids play in the street, that's not an example of love. See, a, a, a loving parent sees things in the future of their child that if they don't change, they're going <clears> to <throat> excuse me hurt them in some way. And they do something about it. And believers who live willfully defiant and sinful lives, listen, they're in far more danger than a kid playing in the street. Our spiritual en- enemy, he doesn't play games. And if you think he does, and you think, you're really getting somewhere, playing with sin in your life, go ahead and read the story of Job and see how our spiritual adversary handles people. (laughs) The roaring lion. Notice also that living in willful disobedience and remaining unpunished, again, is evidence of no salvation that is real. In verse 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, notice all, verse 6, every son whom he receiveth, verse 8, all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Now, I don't use that word other than quoting this verse. I actually believe it to be profanity. But what it literally means is that someone is born out of wedlock, and in this particular context, it refers to God not being their father. If I or you or anyone else is saved, say we're saved, and we live happily in defiance and presumptuous disobedience, listen, I'd worry about my salvation. You say you're saved, and you don't have the chastening hand of God in your life. When you're willfully defiant, you're not saved. God chastens every son or daughter he receives. By the way, uh, if I were saved and living a willfully defiant life, uh, what I would do tonight is I would repent. I would have a healthy fear of what my loving Father would firmly do to get my attention. Can I just say, living just to not be punished is a terrible way to live. I mean, what a low level to live your Christian life on. Listen, we ought to be striving to live our life uh, because we love Jesus Christ. And not because we're in fear of him punishing us. We are living our life the way we live it because we want to please the God and Savior who first loved us. I've said this many times before, but many, many decades ago, back when our children were born, I purposed in my heart that I would never look at my wife or my children in a hospital bed or a casket and ever have any question if I had anything to do with it. Did you hear me? I, I, decades ago. Listen, I have no idea what's going to happen in my future or anyone else's. But I just decided, I mean, Decades ago, I would never look at them in a hospital bed or a casket and ever even have to honestly ask the question, or does this have anything to do with me? The scripture in Hebrews, though, is not the only place that uses strong and clear words describing the parent-child relationship. And I do believe there are a lot of people here tonight. You're really genuinely interested in being the kind of parent and having the relationship with your children and parents that pleases God. I believe that. And so go next, please, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. So what are we doing tonight, Brother Wally? We're going to basically study a couple of scriptures. And then we're going to take some time and apply them. I hope you understand. Good preaching and teaching, and I'm not implying that I'm a good preacher or teacher, I'm just saying good preaching and teaching explains some things from the scripture and then applies them to us where we actually live. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long in the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, in this particular instruction to the parents and children in that relationship, there are also some very strong, inspired, and preserved words for us that describe this relationship uh, that children have with their own parents. The first strong word we find in verse 1, and it's one of the hated four-letter words in the English language, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, Listen, obey is a strong word. Mankind has never liked the word obey, and in our culture today, we really don't like the word obey. Obey means to fulfill a command or instruction to comply with. As I've said before, this has nothing to do with All children, obeying all parents, Uh, this has everything to do with a child's relationship when they are in their own home with their own parents. Children are to obey their parents as long as you're in their home. This is a command to children. Now, if we were really taking more time to study this, if we studied the list of uh, the phrase disobedient to parents, what we would find is that there are a couple of interesting lists where disobedient to parents appears, and it's linked with a lot of things that we don't commonly think would be linked with that. Because let's be honest, in, in our mind, disobedient to parents doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But if we were to look at the list uh, in Romans chapter 1, along with fornication, wickedness, murderers, and haters of God, we would find disobedient to parents. If we were studying this issue, there's a list in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it describes the perilous times of the last days of the last days. And on that list are things like pride, blasphemy, unholy, traitors, and despisers of things that are good, in addition to disobedient to parents. Whether we think so or not, God considers it a big deal to disobey our parents. And in my personal experience, most parents take direct disobedience too lightly. And they basically teach their children by failing to respond to disobedience to parents, they basically, in effect, teach them it doesn't matter much. Parents have been given authority from God to command their own children. Uh, by the way, this has nothing to do with all adults and all children. It has nothing to do with an adult child who is no longer living under their parents' roof. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever. It has nothing to do with respect that children should show to all adults. I do believe children should respect all adults. Amen. But respect and disobedience, they're not the same thing. The word obey is a hated word, but it is a strong word that God chose for the parent child relationship. By the way, if you're a parent here, I hope you'll take the admonition to teach your children to obey. I hope you'll take it seriously. If you're a child here living in the house of your parents still, I hope you'll also take obeying your parents more seriously because being uncooperative and defiant of your parents in the Lord displeases our creator in our homes. Let me ask you, if you're a child here, a teenager, an older child, if you're living in the home of your parents, does disobedience characterize your relationship to them? Listen, I know it is very hard to obey when so many in our culture just ignore this. I know that. But I just want to remind you, that it's important to God. And that our obedience is not even tested or on display until you disagree with your parents. The second strong word in, in this text is the word honor in, in verse 2 honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor means to have a high respect for, to give a good name, to give glory or recognition or distinction. Children. Obey their parents while they are in the home. They are to honor their own parents as long as their parents live. In fact, it's interesting that it's honor your father and mother. Not just one or the other. Notice that God also links how well we do at this issue with honoring our father and mother. It impacts the length of our life according to verse 3. says that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long in the earth. In fact, if we went in the Old Testament and studied the most basic moral commandments from Mount Sinai, we would find that nine of those ten are either all or partially negative Thou shalt not. There's only one positive commandment of the most basic ten moral commandments, and it is this Honor thy father and mother. And it's no surprise that the only positive commandment God links with our longevity. Now, it doesn't mean if you honor your father and mother, you'll live your fourscore years in health. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that you'll live longer honoring your mom and dad. (laughs) Obeying parents is not one of the Ten Commandments. Honoring your parents is one. I just remind you that your honor is not even tested until you disagree or someone doesn't deserve to be honored. Honor is something a child gives to their parent. is not something a parent demands, at least of adult children. Because if you demand honor of your adult children, then it's not honor, it's obedience. Honor doesn't mean control. I would say the church is worse than our culture at adult children being controlled by their parents to our shame. I mean, our goal as parents should be to raise independent, functional adults who live in independent, functional homes. It's our goal. Now, I do believe this. Parents can make it easy or hard for your children to obey and honor you. But children choose. Choose. Listen, if you're a parent, the best advice I would give you, live an honorable life, make it easier for your child to honor you. If your children are still at home, what I would say, hey, live a life that makes you easier to be, not more difficult. Let me ask you, if you're an adult parent here, a parent tonight is living honorably, is that part of your life plan? If you're a child in the home of your parent, uh, or you're already gone, does honoring your father and mother, does that characterize your life? Notice the third strong word, which is actually a phrase, instead of being linked to children, it's linked to how a parent handles their children in verse 4. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That phrase there, provoke not, that, that's a strong phrase, to provoke means to move to anger, to move to overreaction, to move to an extreme response. Let me ask you, if you're a parent, do you know the load limits of your children? Every person, every human being, every child, every adult, we have weaknesses and strengths. As a parent, do you know the weaknesses and strengths of your children? Wise parents recognize what their child is weak at and what they're strong at, and they don't pretend they don't have those weaknesses. They help their kids work on them. And they make sure they don't provoke their children to wrath. Are you careful about the way you push and provoke your children? Do you push and provoke them in the right direction instead of just provoking them to wrath because you can Now, I worked with teenagers for 20 years. We had three in our house for a while, and I was one. It's probably true, most teenagers are already angry. To one degree or another, especially males. But wise parents heed this admonition and respect these strong words in how they push their children. And if you and I as parents don't provoke them, then they will never be all that they can be. But if we provoke them to wrath, then we are not fulfilling the role God designed for us as a parent. Let me ask you, are you honestly facing the weaknesses of your children or just blaming everyone else and ignoring your child's part? I couldn't tell you how many parents I've met with over the years and you begin to talk to them about their children and they're just like a deer in headlights. They have no similar to reality grasp on their child's weaknesses whatsoever. Please, I plead with you. Look honestly at your children so you can help them. It's not only not provoking is a strong phrase, but notice the fourth strong word again, a second phrase. In the end of verse 4, he says there, it says, and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up means to nourish to maturity, to work with them, to help them Progress. It's interesting to me that among all the mammals, the most helpless child is a human child. There's a reason God designed human beings to need their parents and to be so dependent on them longer than every other creature. It's on purpose. And God has asked us as parents to... Bring them up. Notice both sides of the coin in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in both sides of God's character. God is a loving, nurturing, and a tender God. Make sure your children see it. I know of parents who don't talk about that much because they're afraid if they talk about that much, their children would just flippantly sin. And on the other side of the coin, he, he says in the admonition of the Lord, and God is a just and holy and righteous God. He will ultimately judge the world and every individual according to his word. Your children need to know that too. I know parents who don't talk about that with their children because they're afraid their kids won't like God. Can I just say to you, if you have your kids like a God that it's not the real God, you haven't helped them. You have pushed them into idolatry. And in reality, every parent, we have a responsibility to bring them up in the nurture, in the tenderness, in the grace, in the mercy, in the love of God, a God who welcomes the prodigals home. And we have a responsibility to make sure that they also are well aware of the fact that God is holy and God is just and God is righteous, and he will by no means acquit or clear the wicked. Also interesting me here that despite the fact that some moms think the dad shouldn't overstep her in handling the children, God chose this most clearly to be linked with the dad. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Listen, brother, every man needs to take responsibility in his own home. If you are just delegating, either by your negligence or your absence, everything to their mother, you are a negligent dad. Now you need to repent and take responsibility for instructing your own children. Let me ask if you're a parent, does not provoking and raising them with a balanced view of God, does it characterize you? If not, uh, it's a good night to change. Now, what I want to do then is I'm going to use the rest of my time to just make some practical application of these strong words. Some practical help, both for children and and parents. And before I start, I'm going to just say this. I want to thank God for the kind of parents that we have here. There are a lot of people here who sincerely try to be the kind of parent that God is looking for. I thank God for you. But I do want to help us not... (laughs) make something bad good what I want to do in every one of these cases is have everyone take whatever your next step is if you're honestly if you're doing a lousy job that you'd start doing an okay job if you're doing an okay job that you begin to do a good job if you're doing a good job that you begin to do a great job I believe God in his word has instruction for all of us wherever we are in our Christian walk and so first some practical help for children with your parents Number one, obey your parents as long as you're in your home. You're in their home, or move out. So I'm going to turn 18. Well, good. If you want that to mean something special, move out at 18. I'm not. I'm not advocating moving out at 18. Uh, listen, we encouraged our boys as long as they were doing what they were supposed to do and bettering themselves in life. We supported them by letting them live there. But I'm just saying, if you want to no longer obey your parents, if you want to switch from obey to honor, move out. You can't be right with God when you're not trying to be right with your parents. I know it's not easy at times, and you're going to have to do what you do for Christ's sake. God knew that parents would be imperfect, and yet he still placed them in authority over their own children. Can I also say this to you, Uh, teenagers and older children? You're sowing the kind of teenager you will one day reap. And that's what the Bible says. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit, shall the spirit reap everlasting life. I mean, even society says what goes around comes around. Listen, you're going to reap you. Here's number two. Honor your parents after you move out as long as they live. God chose them for you. Uh, listen, I don't understand why su- su- some parents are such slopwads. I, I don't understand. I-, I don't understand moms and dads that abandon their children. I I I I get it. It's of the devil, but God chose them. Which means if He chose them and it's a bad environment, He gave you strength and internal fortitude. To overcome whatever it is they've done, you choose how you honor them because God isn't specific. Honoring our parents is actually more of an attitude than a specific deed. Honoring your parents will not look the same when they're hundreds of miles away, like my parents were, as it would look when you live close. Honoring your parents will not look the same when they're faithful believers as it would look when they're addicts. But as an adult, you need to choose to honor your parents. By the way, you choose how your parents are handled when they're elderly. Hey, listen, when you were young, couldn't do anything for yourself, um, they made choices for you that were in your best interest that you didn't like. And though we don't like to think about it, sometimes that cycle comes around, and what we have to do to honor our parents is make choices that are in their best interest that they don't like. Don't forget, they were greatly inconvenienced for you for several years. Here's number three. Make sure you make your own marriage and children more important than your relationship with your parents. I, by the way, I mean, there are so many adult parents that are intrusive, uh, manipulative, and if you have, if you're an adult here and you have parents who are, they're just basically supportive of you and try to help you have an independent home. Listen, y'all, you know, just thank God for them, because there's some good ones out there. Here's number four. Remember that good parents are never your enemies. I wish every one of you teenagers would write that in the front of your Bible. My parent is not my enemy. They love you and want something good for your life. Some practical help for parents. Again, I've given these things many, year, many times over the years, and private conversations in class. I'm not, this is not, oh wow, this is brand new. Listen, if you've been here very many years, there is a, I'm, I'm not sharing anything new with you. I, we may explain a scripture that you haven't had explained here before, but the applications, are always going to be the same. Practical help for parents. Here's number one. Be careful what you ask for and expect from your children while they're in your home. Some parents expect too little, others too much. I, I believe most Christian parents, especially mom, expect too little. In fact, what I agree is me that some Christian parents even resist other people trying to get more out of your children than you think they can. Wise parents embrace any help they can get. <laughs> Number two, balance of justice and character you're building with good times, love, clean fun, and special times. I do not, I believe you can be a tough parent if you balance it with fun stuff. Listen, parent, it is our responsibility as the adult for that relationship to be right. If you're grieving that your teenager doesn't make any effort with you, or they don't tell you they love you enough, listen, what do you expect The burden is on whoever is the more mature person to make the relationship healthy. Discipline is never received well when that's all your child gets from you. Here's number three. Work hard to be consistent with your discipline. I mean, don't get after them one time for something and laugh at it the next time. So that's hard because sometimes what they do is funny you're right you might have to turn your back a minute and laugh and then turn around and give them what they really need don't be content with external conformity but demand external conformity external conformity is not enough it's the beginning what you need to be aiming for is always your child's heart now just because you're aiming for their heart doesn't mean outside things don't matter uh, they do matter, but it is always a heart that's our goal. Pray for me. I've been thinking about having a special class sometime and spending three or four weeks with parents of teenagers. Uh, I do 13 or 14 weeks every other year in the summer, but that's more for smaller children. Pray for me. Here's number four. Deal with your children where they are, not where you wish they were. <laughs> when you're young children, treat them like that, not older children. When they're older children, treat them like that, not a young child or a teen. When they're a younger teen, treat them like that, not like an older child or an older teen. When they're an older teen, treat them like that, not like a younger teen or an adult. When they're young adults, in or out of the home, treat them like that instead of like they're still being a child. When they're married and out of the home, treat them like that. Now, Now listen, these transitions in a practical sense are easy for me to say, they're hard to live through. And so all of us, you need to be patient with your parents just like a a parent needs to be patient with their children. These are not easy things to work through. None of us change easily, but they're important to matter. They matter, and it's important. When you treat your child as younger or older than they really are, you hurt them. A hundred times I've seen somebody baby their youngest child. Can I just say... That kind of parenting is about you, not your kid. Parenting is about doing what's best for our children, not what's best for us. Number five, use your authority and influence over them carefully. Just because you have the right and strength to do something doesn't mean you should. Listen, your kid can threaten to punch you, and you could say, fine, You can, but you shouldn't. Listen, you, and especially dads, you're forming an image of God. Both parents, but especially the dad. And you are either going to make it more difficult or less difficult to look at our Heavenly Father as a loving, kind, open, warm being who is also holy and righteous and just, or you're going to leave your children to have to overcome that in one way or another. Number six, don't contradict or tear down the other parent in front of the kids. In fact, I would say to you, don't tear down any other authority figure in front of your children. If you haven't recognized that, one of the biggest problems in our culture is that people, you know, listen, I've known kids whose parents taught them the police were bad teachers are dumb and then well I don't understand why they don't respect the police and why they don't listen to their teacher <laughs> you please don't do that number seven be the adult in your home <laughs> you lead the home instead of letting your children or teens lead it listen I, I get it um We want to be a friend to our children. And that's especially true if when you were a child, your parents were really distant. You want to be a friend to your children. I, I get it. But listen, they need you to be their parent more than they need you to be their friend. And when you act like one of the children in a conflict, instead of bringing maturity to it, you're not doing your job. Here's number eight. Let them have input in some decisions and conflicts as they get older. Say, why should I do that? It's a part of helping you work through this process of them not being children. And it also helps them learn how to respond in disagreements and conflicts instead of doing what most people do in conflict, which which is either blow up or check out. By the way, a lot of that was just behavior learned in the home. Their parent let them m- manipulate the parent by losing their temper and acting up, and so they get into marriage, and then they do the same thing. Please, please don't do that. Here's la- the last thing, number nine, and you say good. Let them leave the home and make their own marriage the most important relationship in their life. You know what I see is I see a lot of parents, they never... They never build any friendships. They don't ever build any ministry. They don't build any hobbies in their life that are not linked to their children. And then what happens when their children try to go through the natural process of becoming independent, functional adults? They're not equipped to let them do it. Can I just say, it's hard as a parent to do that. I'm not pretending it's easy. It's hard you spent all these years investing in them and praying for them and sacrificing for them, uh, it's hard to let the reins go and go in their hands. But in the end, if you don't, they will never be all that they could be. When it comes to our homes, there's plenty of fault and flaws in both sides, but God knew what he was doing when he put such great value and importance on the parent child relationship. Have you ever thought about this? God placed an unbreakable link between parents and children. We love that God designed it that way when the parents are doing well and the kids are elevated by the parents. We despise it when the parents do badly and it tears them down. Can I just encourage you tonight? Be someone who lifts children if god gave them to you god gave you grandchildren be someone who lifts them i believe by the grace of god we can do that if you'd quietly stand tonight